How do refrigerators keep food cold? Who really invented the radio? What was the worst video game of all time? On Tech Stuff, we answer these questions and more. You can get brand new episodes of Tech Stuff every Wednesday on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Welcome to Brain Stuff from How Stuff Works. Hey everybody, I'm Christian Sager and this is Brain Stuff. Do you remember how sitcoms used to lay in those horrible laugh tracks after every joke? Including cartoons, like just in case the jokes weren't insulting your intelligence, they had to goad you with taped laughter, like they're running the faucet to get somebody with a shy bladder to pee. I can't believe this, but some shows are still doing it. Why? Well, back before recordings in radio and TV, all performances were live. This meant actors always had the benefit of a crowd's reactions to drive their performance, and the audience reaped the benefits of that energy, too. Tension during a sad moment, a collective gasp at a revelation, or mass laughter when something funny happened. Broadcasts and recordings, however, brought these performances to a wider audience, but some of that energy got lost in the transition. Every show couldn't involve a crowd, and you couldn't always rely on an audience to have the right reaction. They might be too loud or too quiet, or they might not laugh at all after, say, the fifth take of a joke. So in the late 40s and early 50s, radio and TV engineers began sweetening audience reactions, mixing them to sound more appropriate. This became a huge trend in the industry when Charlie Douglas invented the original laugh box. It looked sort of like a typewriter, but contained 320 laughs and other audience noises. The noises were grouped by type of response into 32 loops of tape, each activated by a single key. You played it like an organ. You'd select the style, age, and gender of the response you wanted by pressing one or more keys. Then you'd use a foot pedal to control the sound level. Supposedly, Douglas recorded these original noises at Marcel Marceau and Red Skeleton shows, totally pantomime parts, to make sure he'd get a clean tape of just the audience. These days, laugh tracks are digital, and they contain lots of sounds, though if you watch any particular sitcom, you've probably heard distinctive laughs repeat, which brings me to my next point. Industry critics and creators alike hate laugh tracks. Pretty much everybody who stops to think about them hates them, but do they work? You bet they do. Have you ever seen one of those YouTube videos where they take a popular sitcom and remove the laugh track? It turns into this creepy nightmare world where people say depressing things to each other and then pause for three seconds. Without the laugh track, you realize the jokes aren't necessarily funny. You're just laughing along with some invisible crowd. One theory says that we feel social pressure to conform to the group. Another suggests laughter is an automatic neurological response, something a little more hardwired. Either way, real research going back decades shows that laugh tracks work. In 1974, a study in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology showed empirically that people were more likely to laugh at jokes that were supplemented with a laugh track. In fact, with a laugh track, you might not even need the joke. In 1992, neuroscientist Robert Provine showed that test subjects smiled and laughed in response to an electronic track that wasn't even attached to a narrative. 
They were just reacting to the laughter itself. But Provine's results wore off after repeated tests. By the tenth round, subjects stopped laughing along and reported that they found the taped laughter obnoxious. So, okay. Laugh tracks do seem to influence the audience, but there are tons of factors that moderate this. For example, what if you're consciously aware that the laughter is canned? A study in 1998 found that people who thought the sound was coming from a live audience were more influenced by it than people who were aware that it was artificial. Or What if you don't think you'd get along with the people who are laughing? In 2005, a paper published by the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology found that college students laughed less and rated a taped comedian lower when they thought that the tape laughter they heard was coming from members of a political party they disagreed with. But Laughing in response to hearing laughter may be involuntary. In 2006, researchers at the University College London used fMRI to discover that human vocal sounds activated part of the brain called the premotor cortical region, which primes our facial muscles to react. That means that when subjects heard laughing, they began to smile. Some theorists think that gestures and sounds like laughter predated speech. Could our vulnerability to laughter actually be a survival mechanism? Check out the BrainStuff channel on YouTube, and for more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.